0: With the Pacers 2022 23 season officially over, let's break down what went right and what went wrong. Derek Kramer from my Pacers blog is going to join us. We'll get to the meat and potatoes of the good and the bad of this Pacers season and great every single player season. It's all coming today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East, I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, diving into the Pacers season, post-mortem style, 35 and 47, was it a successful season for the Pacers? Derek Kramer from my Pacers blog will join us to break down the good and the bad of the season, what went right what went wrong, and what it means for the future of this franchise. Plus, in our third segment, we grade the season of every player and the Pacers season as a whole. A good way to look back on the year with Derek, we'll just get right to it. He's back, the guest that everybody knows. It's Derek Kramer from iPacers blog, and it's time to put a bow on this Pacers season post-mortem style. Today, we're talking the reasons you could call this Pacers season a success, the reasons you could consider it a failure, and a final grade, parting shot, thoughts, whatever you want to say to close it out. Derek, I had a weird day. How are you today? I did <laughs> we should have I should have led and said, We're talking about the big news that Justin Anderson, third team all G League. Congrats to Justin Anderson. Yes. But how was your day?
1: Way to way to go, Justin Anderson. Uh yeah, my day's my day's good. How how is how's it going over there for you?
0: You know, it's weird when they don't play for four days. I just forget what day it is. I thought it was Friday all day, like just <laughs> completely falling apart. Um Look, Pacers exceeded their win total from before the season. They got some key growth from young players, but not all is always as bright as that. So you got to cover both sides of the success and failures of this Pacers season. But I'm going to go very big picture to start this conversation because what I was thinking about how I wanted to talk about the season being a success, to me it... The the biggest kind of overarching thought I had among many things and numbers and data points that we'll talk about from the season is like, for the first time since they traded Oladipo, it kind of it, it felt like they were going in the right direction. You know what I mean? And they they traded Victor what, like ten days into 2021, right? Basically the end of 2020, and they were like fourth in the East end or something, right? They were playing good, and then they just kind of slowly dipped away, and then lost the play in, and then the next year just was a torpedo. And they had to retool and rebuild, and they went through different coaches and teams. And then this year, finally, the nadir, I would say, was whatever, when they got schlacked by the Hornets at home, I guess, in late January uh, of, of 2022. And then this year was the first year of climbing up the full year. Where it felt like they're headed in the right direction again. Would you agree with that and, and agree that that is a reason for the successful side of the tallies?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think maybe the optimistic person might say that it started to turn as soon as they just decided to rebuild and say, we got to start over. Um, But they're still risking that. They still had to to see it with Tyrese becoming who they thought he was going to be. And yeah, I think he's the biggest reason that it is a success because he immediately showed this year that he is a star. He made an all-star team. and looks like he can do so for many more years to come.
0: Is it just that simple? Like we could cut through their win totals and development of young guys and all this stuff. But like they've got a dude and like that, that could just be it. A dude on a very team controlled situation, I might add.
1: Right. I mean, I like well, if you look at it from the other end, like if Tyrese wasn't this, there was no way this season would be a success. Zero. So like it's like he makes it a success. And I think there's more reasons why you could say it is. But without that, then none of this other stuff matters
0: yeah there's the reason Pritchard was calling him among many things a, a partner of the franchise now a guy they're going to lean on for advice and consideration when they want it and certainly a part of everything right and that matters a lot and you know you need a guy like that i think it was loosely reported that he was a part of the Aton recruitment effort last year and hey look that went pretty well until it was out of the Pacers hands so perhaps that matters in the future but that like beyond him just being good the fact that he got way better under the watchful eye of the current front office and and coaching staff, I think is important too. like in terms of giving confidence uh, for fans towards this, this group can kind of grow talent in the building, right? Matherin got, it's hard to say because his year was so up and down, but like, I'd say Matherin got better from the start of the season to the end. Like he had to learn how to adapt when defenses figured out like hey this guy's good and turner clearly got better this year and nembar got better throughout the year like i think that's a big part of this too is uh, some of it is that the the draft just was not a strong suit of this regime for the first couple years but like seeing that has to be encouraging as well considering that they are going to be a young team for at least a couple more years
1: yeah i think you hit on my uh, next couple things a little bit there i think number two reason why you can consider this a success is that both of the rookies seem like hits Matherin. There
0: are three rookies, Derek. There are.
1: Th- oh, sorry, Kendall Brown. I, uh, we'll get <laughs> to your grade uh, later in the last segment. Uh, but, yes. Um, both of the rookies that played uh, more than a few minutes this year look like hits. Uh, Nimhard's the big, biggest surprise there. Obviously expect the six pick you obviously you want to see some encouraging signs and you saw more than that just from the jump from Benedict Matherin. I think he's got uh, plenty of room to grow, which is both good and bad if you're on the pessimistic side, I guess. But um, I think at minimum, he's a guy that's going to be like he established a very high floor for himself this year already as like, if nothing else, this guy's going to be a six man scoring machine. And then hopefully he adds all of these other things to his game that, that Rick and the coaching staff have been trying to work on him with throughout the whole season
0: yeah i i think that's a wild success just because like last summer i didn't agree with this take but a lot of takes flew of that last summer was the most important pacers offseason like ever in a long time or whatever and it was the most important draft for them in a long time because they were picking higher than they had in 30 years but i didn't view it that strongly but the reason people thought that is because of the pick right if they they don't nail number six like uh oh, you know they're in some trouble because you, know, you you are bad with the hope of nailing the pick and they did right. Even if Matherin like if you redid the draft, Matherin would go top six again. That alone means it was a good pick or the right pick. And clearly, a guy that will have skills that sort of translate to long term sort of success. In that, to me, his floor of just getting to the line a bajillion times a game. That's a very Good thing, like right? Even if he never becomes a better passer or you know, like slightly improves in a bunch of other stuff slowly. The fact that you can get to line that well already bodes extremely well for his long-term future. So a lot of micro successes, just and macro, I guess. Both of all these things we've said are both. Um <laughs> the, that you could just like narratively talk about. I I said this when I did my end of season podcast, but the I this I'm gonna put in both categories. We'll talk about this in the next segment too, but. They went 26 and 22 when Turner and Halliburton played together. That could You can consider that a success very easily and go, hey, look, when this team's best two players played in year one or 1.5, whatever, of a rebuild, they were good. They would have been a playoff-level team. They would have had one more win than the Brooklyn Nets. Like That's great. That is encouraging, as Kevin Pritchard said a million times. On Tuesday, the, the foundation is strong. Right. Those are foundational pieces, at least right now, and they're good, and they fit together. Now, we'll talk about this in the second segment. I would also understand if you said, well, that means they went nine and uh, what is that? T- nine and 23 <laughs> when just one of them didn't play. And that suggests that the rest of their team needs a giant kick in the pants and a ton of improvement and has a long way to go. Uh, it's also your one of a rebuild. But either way, you know, I think that the fact that they're, the foundation with those two is so strong, and you already alluded to it with Tyrese, but th- that is numerically, I think, a good stat to say, you know, we like what we've started with here
1: yeah i agree and uh, one of my other things i think made this year a success was they figured out the center position for a few more years at least they locked in miles turner he was phenomenal like easily his career best season i think his defense maybe fell off a little bit but his offense was so good this year like obviously you've mentioned multiple times like he set the uh true shooting percentage record for the franchise, just an unbelievably efficient year Uh, really started clicking with Tyrese. Um, Yeah. He's like, and both of those having that's two positions right there. And Matherin where you think you got three out of five, where you're very hopeful that those are your starters. So, and that's, I think that's more than they had at the start of the year with how uncertain they were about Turner. And then obviously they were probably hopeful that Matherin would be that guy. Soon, but they didn't know for sure how good he was going to be either.
0: And they got lucky that the league was good and that they could uh, have all this and still get a top most likely eight, nine, whatever. Well, it's so hard to say this stuff before the lottery. It's also really hard to explain to people that their picks could be one, two, three, four, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, 10, 11, 12, but not five or six. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get it confused. Um, the last thing I would say for us, the success bucket would be like the identity part of this that has been kind of loosely talked about by a lot of people is you know they had talented players in the last iteration of their team but like you know everybody kind of described their identity a little differently and they were never the you know the the hope was Kevin Pritchard's phrase what was it hard hat lunch pail team that would beat you up and all that and that just never materialized and didn't gel offensively and there was really no spirit identity whatever on the court now it's extremely obvious (laughs) what their identity is what that's going to look like and i think that's really important to establish as early as possible in rebuild because then as you add new players they you know if you know they can fit the identity that just adds to their value to your team so i think the fact that not only were, were they like better than everybody thought and showed a blueprint for winning they figured out an identity that's going to work for them i think that's important
1: Agreed. I think that's a that's a good point. I think the only other thing I have uh, in terms of success, uh, they found two guys that kind of fit that identity um, that they weren't sure were going to be anything in uh, Aaron Neesmith and Jordan Wara, uh, which even if they aren't starters in the future, when they're good, they're at least like capable role players for the team in the future, which I think is important.
0: I mean, if you look, uh, this, this might be too much blue and gold colored glasses but like starting from last year's draft to now have they made one transaction that in retrospect you're like oh that was a mistake you know like it no i would probably say no the the, the one they maybe would like like travel and queen signing i guess is you know maybe the only one but like that so minor that you know, they did a pretty good job there but it wasn't all it wasn't all great derek it never is all great hey guys let's take one short little break so i can talk to you about the 2023 nissan aria and to do that we're going to name our nissan's most electric player of the week pacers didn't play this week so we'll just draw right out of the play in tournament and go with Shea gilgis alexander who was electric in the thunders win over the pelicans earlier this week 32 points most of them in the second half the game ceiling bucket he was fantastic just like the 2023 Nissan Aria. He was electric, brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, elegantly powerful, and delivered on duality, a combination of fierceness and elegance, beautiful but strong. The perfect SUV crossover. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. The all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the electric vehicle for people who love to drive. Shop now at nissanusa.com. Let's do the failures. There is two sides to every coin. I would say there's more successes than failures this season. I've said that quite a few times, but I still think there's something to this. And I would lead by saying the same thing I said in the last segment. They went 26 and 22 and Albert and Turner played, which means they were terrible without just one of them. Not even both of them not playing, just one of them not playing. Like, remember, when Turner got hurt to start the season, they were 1-5 and five out of the one 1-4, whatever. They were bad to start the season without him. That stretch turned out to be really important standings-wise, by the way. Thinking of him turning his ankle before their first game started. Like, they couldn't win. And Tyrese really grew a couple months into the season, certainly. But, you know, they couldn't win. They lost to the Spurs and Wizards in that stretch, right? Like, they would have liked to have Miles Turner for those games. But that means... And they got more of these wins later in the season as Nembar got better at the one and Matherin learned more about responsibilities. And they had like Jordan War on the team at that stage. He was playing better. So, like, it's not perfectly representative of their season, but their supporting cast just could not win without at least one, often both of those guys. And so that suggests that maybe this isn't failure. You know, maybe this is too, because it, again, it's early in a rebuild, but they're still f- maybe farther away than it seems just looking at their zoomed out perspective
1: yeah i think the the biggest thing with the Tyrese injury especially is just like they were so just not even competitive for a while without him. And yeah. it's just clear like they need like turner's probably ideally a third or a fourth best player on a team like they need a second guy um and that's gonna be like they hope maybe mathering can be that maybe the draft pick this year depending on wherever it ends up uh, one through twelve, not five or six. <laughs> um, yeah, you. They they want to find that second guy. Maybe it's making a big trade, like Pritchard just talked about. They tried to at the deadline.
0: They he's it, he's itchy, Derek. He's he's itchy. He's, he's itchy.
1: Needs some. <laughs> uh, he needs some cream or some lotion. To <laughs> <laughs> take care of that.
0: Maybe maybe calling it a failure isn't that the supporting cast isn't good enough, but rather they were just so reliant on two guys. Maybe that's a better way of describing what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah. Uh, and when your, your offense is so heliocentric with Tyrese, like, and we goes out, like that's a shock to your system. Like everybody's trying to figure out how do you cover for this guy who basically did everything for you on offense. Um, so it makes sense. Like, it's just like the nuggets every year when Jokic leaves the floor, <laughs> You're like now, what do we do now that that guy's not on the court? Um, I, I would say my biggest, uh, failure this year, which sadly is that they weren't good enough at tanking at the end of the year, (laughs) which is dumb. Like I, I wrote a, I wrote a piece uh, on my website about like not being able to enjoy like George Hill, maybe his last game as a Pacer scores 17 points, hits a half court shot. And it's just like, why are you doing this to me? (laughs) Yeah. Like it's just, it's a bummer. Like I can't.
0: Yeah. It was weird. It was a weird day. I think, (laughs) I think every team, whatever word you want to use, tanking, losing, managing injuries, whatever, gets one game, right? The Portland beat Minnesota, it happens. Orlando beat, I forget who, it happens. Pacers beat OKC, it happens. The Knicks game was just like, how do you avoid this? Like, George Hill, five of six from deep. All right, let's take him out. Let's put Buddy Heald in. Oh, crap, he's also five of six from deep. All right, Jordan Wara, you're the two. Oh, gosh, you can't miss either. Okay, uh, what other options do we have? Like, they they, they couldn't do it. It was. It was like they they got their one like vibes down the stretch win, and then they do whatever they put out. That game made no sense. Like whoever was on the floor, that was the only game the entire season, Derek, that they gave up more than one thirty and one because they couldn't miss. They just literally couldn't miss.
1: No, yeah, they're down like They're down 15 or so in the third quarter, the third quarter. <laughs> like, And a fan <laughs> who's aware of the lottery Is just like, I can't enjoy this comeback Like, <laughs> it's just It's very unfortunate Like, I just wish there was some way For, to, like, in a down season Where you can enjoy a team's win At the end of the year I Just I Just give me something to where It's not a bad thing in the end That all of these awesome things happened For the team playing basketball That you root for Um And yeah, like you talked about They couldn't miss And they won that game against the Knicks And then when they beat the Thunder The Thunder couldn't make anything So like they really Like they won two games Because of crazy shooting luck On both ends of the spectrum And then if if they lose those two games You know, they're tied with Portland Portland, yeah yeah, which is nuts so you. and who knows it doesn't like it anything can happen in the lotteries like they're due for some like 10 11 12 13 14 to move up into the fourth spot it's been a while like since these odds changed. they're all better so like it, anything could happen in the lottery but it's just unfortunately you, know, you can't enjoy some of those fun wins at the end of the year as much because of that
0: since Orlando lost, it might like just because of the way the coin flips work, it might end up just not mattering anyway. We'll see. I mean, they lost odds no matter what they lost at least 5% odds, no matter what, but it could just end up that they would have been seventh either way at their seventh. But it, yeah, the, 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 percent loss happens no matter what, because of the win. And that is <laughs> that's just a very, uh, like, you know how much I hate that the NBA has set this up, but here we are. <laughs> love, uh, love games like that. Um, This is hard to perfectly articulate, so I'll try to find the words as I talk, which maybe I should have prepped better to say this. Um, Of the non, not not key, of like the bit young players, right? O'Shea Brissett, Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith, Chris Duarte. um, Did I miss anybody here? Maybe Aaron E. Smith, although he's probably out of this group. None of them, I think, took a step forward in the way the Pacers would have hoped. Like of all the the fringe type young guy. So Neesmith became a starter. Maybe he's not a fringe guy, but all the rest of the like back rotation young guys that the Pacers would hope could establish like, yes, this guy's on our team. This makes sense. Of the ones who started the season because Jordan Wara clearly showed (laughs) that he'll be on the team next year. Of the ones who started the season on the team, I would say like they had up and down moments, but none of them took the step forward or showed enough to say like, yep, obviously a part of our next great team. And I think that's something the Pacers would have hoped to see before the season. And so is that a failure or whatever? I would say, yeah, but maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's definitely on the negative end of the spectrum. However, you're going to chop it up like Jalen Smith, like they thought so much of him that they promised him a starting spot. And then maybe with hopes of if Turner gets moved, he moves to the center spot or whatever. And now it's, like, maybe a backup. He looked better than Ajax at the end of the year. But then it's, like, also, oh, Ajax, is he just another Goga? Like, is this another first-round pick that we spent on a center that's never going to really play? So, yeah, I think Turner kind of masked those things, that they were able to re-sign him, and that helps. But, yeah, you definitely were hoping for more from both of those guys. I think uh, with Isaiah Jackson, I think the one thing – I would have liked to see more of in this season where they were kind of exploring and trying things. It's like, why wasn't he ever a four at all? Like we saw lots of Jalen Smith, like 50
0: minutes, like barely ever. It, It was crazy too low. Just, yeah, just something
1: like I would love to see more of that pairing with him and Miles Turner. Like I know that they're probably going to have similar issues offensively where the centers aren't going to guard Miles. They're going to guard Isaiah Jackson. But like both of those guys on the court on defense just feels like so fun. Like I just want to see that, how that works. And we just didn't get to see that this year. And I would have, I would have enjoyed just seeing a little bit more than I think 13 minutes is what we got.
0: Why was it that low? I mean, I, I believe that that's just I know why they tried it, but as soon as they saw the cross matches, it just gets scary. But I am with you that defensively it just seems like, especially for a team that wants to get those stops and steals and run in transition, like give it a shot. And Isaiah's unique in that, yeah, you put your center on him because he can't shoot, but I mean, even center-wise, who who's matching his athleticism in the NBA? Like five bigs? Like, you know, it's it's he still probably could do something with his verticality and Turner can shoot enough. Look, we know that him at the four is not as good as him at the five from this past season in his whole career, but he could do it. He's done it. So yeah, I would, I would like to see that. I would have liked to see that explored a little more. We'll see what happens in the future. Duarte, like, I don't even know how to perfectly talk about his season because the timing of all his injuries were, were like right when he was getting going every time, but even in his like extended stretches you know, very rarely felt like, like he, he definitely was from mid January to mid March. He was like, his efficiency was fine. Like he was a fine player, but you know, I'm sure the Pacers were hoping for more than fine from the all rookie guy last year, who, you know, I think still is probably uh, could be an elite shooter in this league. I mean, he didn't make me look smart for saying that this season at all, but I still think that that's a possibility. So maybe he doesn't fit stylistically. Maybe it was just the most frustrating season ever. We'll see. But that I think would be in my failures bucket too.
1: Yeah. I think he's probably the most disappointing performance of the season. It's just like, it felt like it was just the year from hell for him. Um, But like, it's just like, you got to do it. (laughs) It's just kind of, there's only so many excuses you can give the guy like, absolutely it sucks like he finally had that one game at the beginning of the season where he scores 30 and then immediately gets hurt but it was just constantly he just couldn't couldn't really get things going except for that one stretch you said um in the middle of the year. well and
0: look like i get that injuries mess stuff up but like other guys got hurt on the team and no one else had that stretch what do you miss like 20 shots in a row or something in late yep. december like it it got rough at times
1: yep absolutely um let's see the only other thing, yeah, I had Dorte on my list too. The only th- other thing, like I, I didn't f- like. I, I have more concerns about Matherin than I did at the beginning of the year. Was my I don't even think this is like a failure or anything. It's just like I have a lot of questions and I'm really excited to see like what happens mm-hmm. with him this off and what he can improve at. Like I think the number one thing I want to see him improve is his handle. Cause he's just like casually loses the ball so often. And like, it's so impressive like how often he gets to the rim and gets fouled even with his handle kind of iffy right now, like if he can figure out how to control that ball better, like and he's already getting to line this much as he is. Like, I feel like he can be like close to unstoppable when he's driving towards the basket. Once he figures out how to dribble with both hands and keep it like, I, just, it's so weird how he just loses the ball and all just like fall over sometimes without like very any
0: resistance yeah like that and his like to me uh, if he could just pass a little bit he'd be way better just the way you're defended if you can even kick to the corner like i hate to put too much stock in one game but the last the last game six assists and some of it was that the pacers couldn't like we talked about couldn't miss uh like finally there it was like some signs of Playmaking life because not only does that change the way you're covered, but you know if you're a coach trying to design what you can do on a possession, if you can't score, if you can't run a mather and pick and roll because all the defense has to do is send two to the ball and it's a dead play, like then you can't run the last shot through him. Like if he can pass or even just hit a big man on the roll, I just feel like that would open up a ton for him. But that might not matter if he has a loose handle and has Oladipo itis, and when he gets doubled that he can't even get the ball away. Oh, that playoff series was. <laughs> <laughs> weirdest the weirdest thing i still have a lot of screenshots from that series just on my computer from how much i (laughs) was tracking that double team stuff back then i agree with you that it's just non-scoring skills (laughs) you know those need to be slightly enhanced for him on the offensive end one more break here, guys, so I can talk to you about the great people over at Bilt Bar looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all the sugar and calories. And you've got to try the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar, if you're like me and want to make healthier snack choices, I ate like 10,000 peanut butter pretzels today, but you don't want to compromise on taste. I've got just a thing for you. That's Built Bars and Built Puffs. They're healthy and taste amazing. They're so good, you won't even know that they're good for you. What makes them so good? Well, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. And I don't know how they do it, but they taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros that are healthy with 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering built Bars at built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. well, you can still get the specialty flavors at Built.com, head to Walmart, four-bar box of cookies and cream double chocolate or coconut puff at Sam's Club, 13-bar box with brownie, batter puff, churro puff. Thank me later. Try Built Bar today. Grades. Do you want to do every player? Do you just want to do the whole team? How would you like to do this? I got
1: a, I got a grade for every player. We can go wow. through them like real quick.
0: It's okay, okay. we'll fun. have to do uh like 30 seconds or less. Okay, I'll have to come up with these on the fly then, so...
1: Uh, okay, the, uh, I'll just I'll say a player, and then you can just quickly give a grade too. That work? Oh, okay. Go. I did it pretty quick. So Tyrese, A a plus. No, 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 A plus. I didn't English. do any. I didn't do any A pluses, but he would have got no pluses
0: and minuses at all, or just no. A I did
1: a couple pluses, but like, yeah. But this criteria
0: on my own podcast is very uh, ambiguous, Derek. I need some <laughs> instructions. <laughs> okay, yeah. Whatever uh, your highest uh, grade is, that's what I give Tyrese Halliburton.
1: That yes, sure.
0: Uh, buddy, is there any argument for anything else? I mean, you gotta be a better on ball defender. I think, you know, just defense that, yeah,
1: that was the only thing. Nobody's perfect. That's why I didn't do a pluses. So, uh, buddy, I gave an a, this is all, I will say this is all in terms of,
0: uh, expectations. Sure. He exceeded expectations. No doubt. I'd still give him a B. I mean, their defense just falls off a cliff when he's not out there. And he's still a little reliant on Tyrese to be – ma- he's still a good driver of success for others on the offensive end, but he needs Tyrese to be, like, elite. I'd probably give him, like, a B, B-. minus. But what above you. that expectation, F- certainly. Uh,
1: Benedict, I gave a B plus.
0: Yeah, I'll do that, too. <laughs> for the reasons we just uh, described. I mean, the way he started the season just gives me a lot of confidence that he's going to yes. be good. Like,
1: you can hey, get listen, to the line that I'll-
0: much, it's hard to be bad. So yes, people.
1: I think some of I think some of his uh, kind of downsides is him trying to figure out when to pass. I think he was just like thinking too much. That's my theory. Um, that he Maybe. just wasn't kind of wasn't playing without thinking because his instinct is just to score and go for that all the time. So and I think we kind of saw that with Miles to a lesser extent, like early in his career when he was starting to learn how to make simple reads. So
0: like it might take him some time. I am hopeful. Um, Glad we're talking a lot about him. <laughs> uh okay. well wait wait i have one more thought on him next year okay, could be ahead. weird in that his stats could actually look worse but if he mm-hmm. figures out how to play better with tyrese halberd i would give him a better grade if that makes sense
1: i i think that's fair i think that's fair um knee i
0: gave a b plus uh yeah i'd, I'd about to do that too i mean it. It's, what did he not do that i would have expected to do better i guess yeah the, the shot's inconsistent it just is what it is yeah he
1: had a couple couple months where he couldn't shoot other than that though i thought he was great uh Fouls too much on defense. That's
0: he went from foul. a guy that I was like, "Huh, is he going to be in the rotation or not?" To like, "Oh wow, <laughs> he should start oh, every day." Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I thought that uh I thought Brissett should have played yep. over I him at the beginning of the year, 100. Um, yep. Okay, uh, Nimhard, I gave an A.
0: Yeah, I would, try, uh, a-. I would give an A minus. I would give an A minus. But his end of season surge, maybe I should have given him an A. I mean, he was maybe their best guard defender on the team. Um, the the thing with him, he he cleared this up at the end, but it felt like. This was my theory. I would tell Dustin to He's like, five out of every eight games, he's good. So, like, more than half, like, a lot of the time, he's good, but there's still, like, a couple, like, you know, in there. But he cleaned that up at the end. He was really good for the last month. So, uh, A minus, yeah, I'm good with that. Uh, Jalen Smith, a C. (sighs) Man, he got jerked around so much. (sighs) His last month, yeah, I would have said C minus. I think, I mean, just. He said it like he, he, this is his exact quote. He said, I damn near couldn't miss last year and he couldn't make anything this year. And so now the question is, (laughs) what will he be next year? If he's this season's Jalen Smith, then the expectations got to be changed. So yeah, he's a willing shooter, which is important. Kalen Cooper wrote about that in her most recent story. I think CC minus is about right. Uh, Isaiah Jackson, I also gave a C. Same thing. Yeah. He, he was remarkably consistent at the stuff he's good at, and like tried to add stuff into his game, but it just didn't quite. He didn't get a lot of chances, but it didn't quite materialize. So yeah, CC minus. I just have, I have so many questions about his
1: defense. Still, like in theory, he's supposed to be able to guard so many spots, but in practice, it, it's like he blocks shots or nothing else. It feels like. Here's the
0: thing: I I don't have questions. Like I've seen him do it. He just doesn't get that many chances to do it. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's like, sure. but but also why would they have done it in a high leverage situation this season? They have other guys who are just as capable that it makes more sense. So I get why we didn't see more of it, but I don't have a lot of questions about it. I really believe in it.
1: Uh, Chris Duarte D.
0: D minus. D-. Yeah. I mean, the in terms yeah. of
1: expectations, I mean,
0: absolutely. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I'd wonder what he would give his own season, like more than any other player. I'd, I'd be curious what he would give his own season because for him specifically, I bet he felt like he never got a rhythm. His his role was different every single time he returned from injury. The team completely changed styles from last year, so it was tough. And you know, even Tyrese talked about how when you go into your second year, you feel like you're the king of the world and you figured out this whole NBA thing. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm still young and not that. And so, like a lot of factors that I bet if you're Chris Duarte, you describe that to your struggles and say, yeah, you know, I got better at this stuff and figured stuff out, but. But if not, if you're not Chris Duarte, you're probably like, well, we thought you'd be a little better this year. So I bet he would give himself the high, high, which is not wrong of him to do. But I bet he would give himself a higher grade than I would, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's probably accurate.
0: Is Um, that a stupid thing to say? Does that even matter? (laughs) I'm just thinking out loud. uh,
1: Does uh, does he still have braces? That He He does not.
0: uh, He doesn't. I don't think
1: that was my theory early in the year for his struggles. Like it's just so uncomfortable that he couldn't focus on anything other than his mouth. That was just. I needed,
0: my, you know, when we were doing Samurai Miles three. and people were tracking his stats, like with the headband yeah, yeah. and without it, and with certain hairstyles. We need do the that
1: braces, with and, braces. Duarte.
0: Braces Duarte that. and and uh, the black hair Duarte and yeah, 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 maybe that would help us figure this out. <laughs>
1: uh, Miles, I gave an A offensively, C defensively.
0: Wow. Yeah, expectations.
1: I did not think this was his, a good defensive year for him. I thought it was OK, but I didn't think it was one of his better defensive years.
0: The numbers are hilarious because he was with the starting five. That was just terrible on <laughs> defense all year. So it looks like the team was better on defense when he wasn't in the game, which it was just like factually false. It, like the numbers say that it's just not true. That happened to Kawhi with the Spurs in his final year. And everybody was like, this doesn't make sense. I'm like, yes, it does. The rest of their starters are just bad at defense. Uh, <laughs> turns out, turns out LaMarcus Aldridge is slow. Um. So, like, yeah, I don't like he wasn't the force he was in years past. I will certainly say that. But he just was covering for so much stuff. I, maybe I'm excusing it a little too much. But and
1: I, look at the Bjorken here. He did. He, he was covering for everybody. And he was amazing. Yeah. So yeah. I just like offensively. I think obviously best season of his career in terms of expectations for what I expect from Miles. I thought this was just average defensively. Not wow
0: not I had never thought of it that way yeah it. I mean I wouldn't say he exceeded expectations so certainly would probably be a bad of seed just by default in that case but the seed just uh, sounds mean when it's like this guy's good I mean, no,
1: that's fair I just don't I take it uh, he's not gonna listen to this but take it as motivation I oh. want to oh. see a better better defense next year <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah you're, you're right that it wasn't as impactful as past season so I guess by default it's a see I yeah I I sound dumb I sound like I'm like defending the guy but um yeah you know what she's probably right for defense, for offense, yeah, A, A+. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, TJ,
1: I gave an A just because he can make threes now. That's, That's the whole reason he can make, he takes them with confidence and can make them. The fact that he hit a pull-up three in transition, <laughs> like on purpose, that was what he meant to do. is <laughs> just mind-blowing like from where we've been with him in the past.
0: I forget who they were playing. I think it was Atlanta. It was one of their last road games. I think I said this to you, like he caught a three, he caught it on the wing and ch- and took a three the fastest I've ever seen him do that process. Like didn't realize there was a defender far away and then shot it or wasn't like so wide open. It was hilarious. Like he just caught it and shot it and he made it. And it's like, oh, and you were at this game. I think the, the Gabe York game, when someone asked Rick Carlisle about him taking six threes and him having. The green light and rick said used to watch this this year everybody's got the green light all right if tj can can be on the floor rick's got a lot of shoots so if he can make 40 percent of them i mean that's that's huge for, i mean i don't think it really changed the way he's defended but it certainly changed how impactful he can be and he's their pestiest defender still so i mean he just does he is so important to me i'm rambling so much about these guys just because like when tyrese was out no one else could dribble towards the basket every possession like drew, drew could do it sometimes but That that was was, so huge for their offense. The point guard of the Process Sixers was too (laughs) good to play
1: in games late this year. He was too good to tank. The point guard of the Process Sister Sixers. (laughs) is unbelievable.
0: What there was a game where the TJ brought up the Process Sixers before the game. And just like he's like, look at the first year roster of that team. Like you'd be you would never believe they won 10 games. You'd think they were like a 25-31 team. Because there's a lot of them are still in the league, including TJ, who was an a level, a minus level guy this season? Okay. Uh, where am I at? Uh, O'Shea. I gave a C. Yeah. I mean, the shooting get getting worse year over year. It's hard for me to even give him a C, even though he does a lot of stuff. Fine. Never makes mistakes. But if you don't make shots at some point, your effectiveness is just, it is what it is. Yeah. C, C minus. I agree. I, th- I th- like. I think he benefits a lot from when he
1: played with Tyrese. Like, and he was good with before Tyrese too. But like, the he cuts so well, and I don't think we saw like the full um, O'Shea goodness from some of that stuff. Wara, uh, I gave a B plus.
0: Agreed. Yeah, the defense needs some work, but I mean, I'll, he'd be a guy that I would split offense and defense too, because compared to expectations, A minus A on offense, but you know yeah. d plus c minus on defense yep
1: uh james johnson i gave it a in the locker room a <laughs> d on the court
0: <laughs> can we even grade guys who played at whatever 150 minutes
1: <laughs> he played like legit rotation min- minutes occasionally so see another one like, like did not new go york, well
0: <laughs> in the in the final game in new york he had a pull up three or not a pull up three he had a pull up off the dribble long two. <laughs> it's like you can't lose <laughs> When those are going in, yeah, he started a he started a game. Uh, he played point guard for a couple of minutes. <laughs> that didn't go well, but he did it. Um, he was valuable against his old team when they played the Nets. Um, was he? Yeah, he was he. <laughs> on court value, <laughs> uh, incomplete grade. Locker room A. Yes. <laughs> uh,
1: George Hill, A in the locker room, A on the court. Wow. You know, he is way better than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was washed
0: and I he think he was their, I
1: think he was their best perimeter defender.
0: He did stuff. He was he, fine. He can still I mean, play defense. He hit 55% of his threes with the Pacers. It was funny to hear him at at his ex-interview, because he was like, I want to be the Udonis Haslam of this team. And then he was like, but I think I can still play. And then he goes, not that Udonis can't still play. <laughs> so it's just like, you have to keep qualifying it. Like, I get what you mean by that, but you're also better than him right now. Like, that's fine to say. It's fine to say. Yeah, he he's uh, fine. He, I mean, if anything to me, like I was talking about this yesterday, you know, if they're trying to decide what vet to keep, the fact that George Hill can give you capable point guard minutes seems valuable. And yes, an A in the locker room kind of guy as well yeah like i
1: I like I like James Johnson. Everybody seems to love what he brought to the team this year. but if i if I'm picking between those two, I would also prefer George Hill just because we've seen what the team looks like when they don't have a capable point guard. Yep.
0: Uh, I have no idea if they're going to have to pick between them, but just looking at their roster spots that makes sense is something they might have to do. I gotta be very clear about that. Cause I've said that like a hundred times.
1: And Pritchard said like, that's a decision. That's like a July 10th or something. So like after everything's yeah. settled, then right. you try to,
0: you know how many Ross spots you market. have. You've let them explore their markets. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Kendall Brown. I just gave an incomplete. I gave him a No eye. grade. No yeah. grade. Uh, right. I liked what the little bit that I saw, like he looks fun like he I think he would fit really well with this identity of like the fast wanting to run all the time yep.
0: stuff. Uh, I think I, that based on the fact that they it sounds like they're at least somewhat interested in having him be you on know, a 2A again. They're like what they saw too even if it was limited like he was fast and defensive in the G League that's good. I mean we'll see if it ever becomes an NBA thing so. Yeah, incomplete, he didn't play enough. Uh Gabe York
1: gave him a B. He had some threes so I don't know. not much to say about him.
0: I'll give him an F for fun, not for failure. And last Gabe York got to live the dream of every like fringe NBA dude. Just show up and chuck threes, baby. My like threes. that is that is as fun as it gets. The greenest of whites. <laughs> <laughs> he's fine. Yes,
1: he's he only got a handful of games to play in his NBA career, might not ever get another shot again, but like he actually got to play and shoot the ball a ton, which is more he than gave a lot.
0: he was in there was like, Go here, get get the ball. Like they were James,
1: Johnson did, the, James Johnson did the same thing, like he was like, You come here, and, yeah. like just brought him the little little <laughs> handoff, like shoot it, shoot it. Uh, last we got Daniel Tice. I gave him a why, as in, Why did he play a single minute this season? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um he showed he's healthy i suppose that's good for the pacers and their potential d- deciding what to do with him they, they give him the backup center or something i don't know uh yeah i mean his minutes weren't even like he was fine i he, can i give him an f for fine like i gave york an f for fun <laughs> i mean i didn't have expectations for him because i never thought he would right. play so it's not right, even yeah. like i can say above or below expectations so, so- like
1: it's he, he was who he was who like I uh, I knew he was like he's yeah he's a fine
0: he fine set good cinema. screens and you know was actually was able to keep up with the fast style better than I thought he would so I guess that's all good stuff um but he only played <laughs> seven times so it's not like I have a lot of thoughts about this
1: yeah all right Is that everybody that's everybody except for the guys that got
0: I was gonna uh, say are we not a uh, uh sery n a um no, Goga Serge
1: Ibaka gets an A for that glorious graphic that the Pacers Twitter posted. <laughs> Welcome, Serge I feel Ibaka. So
0: bad that they have to do that. And they had to tweet <laughs> the waiver announcement. <laughs> uh, Goga, I would probably have given like a C minus. Uh Terry Taylor, probably like a D plus C minus. Uh traveling Queen. Uh incomplete, oh, yeah. I guess. He had that one good game in OKC and
1: probably, yeah, just a C. yeah.
0: Yep. Uh that's that's all. T- that's it, right? Yep, that's everybody. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did I? Miss, I didn't miss any waivers at the deadline, did I? No. Okay. I'm glad we got to talk about Serge Ibaka one more time. I was having a, <laughs> a hole <laughs> in my heart from liking that. Well, he's thank still, you for hosting this been, segment.
1: He's still so, listed on the uh, roster on ESPN. Serge Ibaka's <laughs> on there.
0: No one else picked him up, so they're like, "Well, why well, don't we have some coder go in and fix this?" Even like,
1: like they photoshopped the jersey on him and everything. Did
0: I tell you this? I saw somebody at one of the Pacers' last five home games. In a Ricky Rubio number 99 jersey. And yes. I was like, what? How is this even possible? He said he got it from AliExpress Ali or something, which is like some <laughs> overseas website. I feel I, maybe I shouldn't have said what it is, but um, <laughs> I, I was dying laughing. So if I see a Sergi Baca jersey next year, I'm going to be cracking up. At, I feel like that's, uh,
1: the, that's the one time you get a joke jersey, you're allowed to buy it from an illegal supplier.
0: I don't or, uh, think that anyone sold Ricky Rubio. <laughs> I don't think he like, would have been number ninety nine if he actually showed up. So, even if
1: you can buy that for real, I think you're allowed <laughs> to use I, something that's <laughs> a little sketchy to do it.
0: He, yeah, I'd I'd heard of it before because of stuff, but um, I don't own jersey either way. Uh, one more grade. You held, hosted this whole segment, so I will close the whole the whole team the whole season. What'd you give? I'll, I give it a, a B plus. Yeah, I would I would probably do that, too. I mean, for me to give it an A this year, they either had to make the playoffs or have the exact same record that they had. But there were clear and obvious steps for like Jackson Smith, you know, all the guys that we have still questions about. So there's Duarte, too. Like there's still some incomplete stuff with youngsters and they're in that weird middle ground of record. Again, it turns out that the league was all really good. So it worked out. But uh, yeah, B plus seems good to me. Is that our that's the Pacers post mortem, Derek. I can't believe we're here. They're dead. Let's see what <laughs> happens next year. <laughs> Look, next year is weird. Like ne- next, year is the hard year of building for teams. I don't I people forget this sometimes. Once expectations join the party, mm-hmm. things are way different. And I didn't know what the Pacers were thinking next year, but it sure sounds like Kevin Perch is talking about that number 45. That's a lot of wins, and those are hard ones to get. So they they can do it, but. Man, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. Let's see what happens. There's a big from,
1: rousing ending.
0: <laughs> getting from 25 wins to 35 wins is like you have to beat the Wizards. The, you know, the magic...
1: A There's a reason that Kings fan after the summer league game was like,
0: we're getting 40
1: wins. I was (laughs) like, that was a big jump. That's that's hard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, like getting for 25 to 35 means you have to be better than the teams. I just said, right. Getting to 45 means next year, the Pacers have to be consistently better than the Clippers, the heat, the Warriors, the Hawks, the, You know, a much better tier of teams that you're picking off consistently. And they can do it. They showed it this year. They beat, I think, did they is there a team they didn't beat in the league this year? Actually, the Spurs. They didn't beat the Spurs. That's okay. Hilarious. Besides the Spurs, is there a team they didn't beat? You know, they 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 showed that they can hang with anyone, but it's still very hard to do that jump. We'll see next expectations next year. will be fun, Derek. You're right in war now. Season's done. Where can people follow you? And your musings about the Indiana Pacers.
1: Uh, You can find my writing stuff on ipacers.com. I kind of, I had a goal that I completely failed (laughs) this year. I was trying to write for every game and I just, I got sick at Thanksgiving and then I started writing two games at once. And then it was just, it was a goner. Um, But you can uh, check out my stuff there. I've got some new stuff up uh, that's more recent. And then I'm hoping to maybe dive into some draft stuff or maybe make another choose your own adventure. If I uh, feel up to
0: the giant task that that is. I probably shouldn't, but I am just completely stalling draft stuff at this point. I mean, it's the next thing for them, like very obviously they have a million picks. It's like I really just need to scout like every player, which is impossible, but that's that's next. That's the thing. And speaking of, uh, this is coming out Friday, TBD on the date, but uh, next week there will be uh, recap of the random drawings uh, talking about what the Pacers need to be watching for in the playoffs, looking ahead at their off season and the numbers game. That is uh, three free agents and five draft picks in a lot of cap space. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Kevin Pritchard said, quote, it's going to be nuts Unquote. Uh, so lots of fun to come here on the lockdown Pacers podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a fantastic day. See you next week.